1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Jet Nation Radio. Uh, this is your host, Alex Varallo, joined by Dylan Tarriman. How are we doing tonight, Dylan? Doing good.
0: Um, unfortunately, the Jets couldn't put together a streak of two consecutive wins, but we got a nice little streak ourselves going here at Jet Nation, two shows in a row. So keep it consistent and got a lot to talk about.
1: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the Jets fell short. Um, A lot of crazy stuff happened in that game. Uh, We're going to break it down, and and we're going to cover that. Uh, Not too, too much. I mean, um, we want to try to stay on some other topics as we go through the the show tonight. So we're going to do a little bit of a preview um, or a recap, rather, of the Colts game. Um, At the end of the show, we'll do a preview on the Bills. Uh, We're going to talk about some transactions that have happened uh, since last Thursday, some injury updates, and uh, we're going to hit some topics of conversation that have been going around. Uh, you know, the Jets' Twitter and um, all their social platforms. Um, a lot of controversy seems to be um, what's going to happen with this quarterback situation that we're in right now. So we're going to cover all that stuff. But before I get too far ahead of us um, myself here, I'd like to take a moment to uh, thank our sponsor, MileSocial. Social. Um, if you're not aware of who they are, um, you can find them at M-I-L-E social.com. Um, if you're a company that's trying to improve your social media presence um, and you just don't have time uh, to you know, put your brand out to the masses, get connected with the Miles Social and they will help you expand your company on all social media platforms and get your business to the next level Again, that's m i l e s o c i a l dot com, milesocial dot com. All right, Dylan. So uh, we uh, talked very uh, briefly before we went live, and we're going to recap the game first, um, and then we'll go into some of the transactions and our topics of the evening. So the Jets fall forty-five to thirty. Um, it was a little bit of an odd game because. You know, if you looked at the box score here, you know, they were kind of within reach um, in that first quarter. And then as the second quarter and third quarter came down, the game just really, really got out of hand for the Jets. Uh, the Colts stacked their points on us. And, um, you know, they scored 21 points in the second quarter, 14 in the third uh, you know, and then the Jets just kind of picked away very slowly. We came on near the end, uh, but it was far too late to try to save the day. i um, not going to say we ran out of time because the game was well lost before the fourth quarter. Uh, but it, remarkably, they still did put up 30 points. So, um, Dylan, before I give my take, you know, if you want to start, um, that's fine. And, and just give us, you know, your, you know, uh, perspective on uh, – what you think happened last Thursday why did uh, you know all these things go wrong for the Jets
0: yeah first off I mean you have to look at the defensive side of the ball it was easily their worst game of the season they went up 532 total yards six total touchdowns and when you look at the 272 pass yards and three touchdowns you know you can get away with that in the modern day NFL but then you look over on the rushing side and they had two hundred and sixty yards rushing and three touchdowns and for a defense that's predicated on being downhill and, you know, not necessarily reacting, it's you know, a recipe for success is a team like the Colts that likes to just run downhill right back at you. So to expect two hundred and sixty yards I would say is, you know, not not in the realm of possibility, but you know, they Every single play, it looked like they were getting beat up front. The offensive line was pushing our defensive line around. The linebackers seemed to be out of position. I have to go back and look at it more, but C.J. Mosley didn't look like the C.J. Mosley we've seen throughout the year. So you want to see a little bit more consistency from him. They had zero tackles for loss in the box score, which is not a good thing. That means they're creating zero negative plays. They only had one sack, three quarterback hits which even against a quarterback like Carson Wentz is not going to do it. You're really going to have to get in and pressure him and get in his face. And then not to call out specific names, but Jared Davis and Ashton Davis did not look good against the run. They definitely need to be more disciplined on their keys and understand where they're supposed to be in certain situations. Um, So that's, you know, that's most of the negatives all came from defense. And then the positives, again, all come from offense. We had 30, 30 points scored. I know, You could consider it garbage time, but I don't necessarily consider it garbage time considering the Colts had five defensive players play 95 or more percent of the snaps. So they weren't, it was 42 to 10 at one point, but they weren't, uh, you know, laying back on the Jets. They were, you know, all gas, no break, essentially, when it came to not pulling their starters. But Mike White comes in, leads two good drives, one ends in a punt, One ends in touchdown to Elijah Moore, and then, you know, unfortunately he gets hurt. Josh Johnson comes in, throws for over 300 yards and three touchdowns, which 413 passing yards is nothing to sneeze at for an offense that was clamoring to, uh, you know, fire their offensive coordinator three or four weeks ago. So you like to see that out of their second and third string quarterbacks. Elijah Moore, you know, coming on, we talked about him a little bit last week in our, rookie segment he had eight targets seven receptions 84 yards two touchdowns the first one I just talked about with Mike White he was wide open on a on a little out and up on the left-hand side that was actually a ball game at that point seven to seven and then his second touchdown you know came in a little bit more garbage time and you know it was kind of exciting to see him score again but it was also more exciting to see him just give the ball to the teammate not really do a lot of dancing and stuff cuz the game was out of hand and he just went back to the sideline almost like a you know a veteran move. So, Elijah Moore had a good game. The run game, you know, solid, not great. Michael Carter did, you know, some decent things here and there. And the one, I guess the negative I'd have to take away from the offense is Denzel Mims. There's some news about him that we'll get into in a little bit, but I think these last two weeks was his time to shine and he quite frankly didn't do that. He had 5 targets one reception for 20 yards. I believe it was the the holding play on Elijah Moore right early in the game. That was his only catch. So he was relatively quiet for the rest of the game, despite, you know, having some routes where he was separating from his defender and just couldn't quite, you know, get the ball, whether it wasn't his read or whatever the play execution broke down. It didn't get to him, but I think he needs to um, make a little bit more of his opportunities. But now with Corey Davis coming back, it's going to be tough. And overall, you know they got out coached again i think the scheme defensively wasn't fit fit for what the uh, Colts like to do so unfortunately you're going to have these games but at least they didn't lay down and lose the game 45 to 10 they battled back they scored 30 points so that was good to see so not a not a a complete jets loss because there's plenty of positives to take away but you know definitely some things that they need to go back and self scout and review going forward
1: yeah, yeah, a great recap right there. Um, and, you know, I'll just add just a few things um, to this here. Um, you know, I'll we'll start off with a positive. Um, you know, the Jets, with their offense, they put up back-to-back 30-point performances. So it's just funny how we can't seem to be balanced. You know, early on in the season, we were playing a little bit better defensively. We were stagnant at offense. Now the offense is coming on and we're starting to see some digression at the defensive, um, you know, unit. So uh, that go, that definitely goes back to coaching and, and guys not executing. Um, you know, going after, you know, Carson Wentz, you have to put pressure on him. Uh, he didn't have any turnovers. Uh, he He was pretty much clean in the pocket. We did get to him one time. That's really not going to cut it. And like you said, for a team that – whose strongest unit out of the entire roster is supposed to be the defensive line, they clearly underperformed. And I think that that was one of the biggest factors of why we lost this game. You know, furthermore, letting John Taylor, who we talked about, um, you know, as one of the keys to winning this game, you know, he ran for 172 yards. So, you know, the holes that they, they were opening up were, you could drive a truck through them. So, you know, there was a lot of this goes back to, uh, you know the defense just not not playing very well, and you know when you look at the quarterbacks here, uh, Josh Johnson's one interception came very late in the game off of a tip pass. Um, so you know, I don't, you know of course they they count negative against the quarterback, but in reality he he didn't play horrible, and um, you know there mm-hmm. were times where he was pretty accurate. You know, like you said, Elijah Moore kind of he was the stud of the week that I wrote down here. He had two touchdowns, so. You know, he's starting to uptick and, and go in the right direction. You know, unfortunately, the Jets just can't seem to, number one, you know, be a balanced football team, execute the game plan, and maybe the game plan isn't, um, you know, what they're deploying is also the problem here. That could be the bigger thing. Um, you know, they're they're showing some improvement in some areas and not in others. You know, that's the reason why we're struggling so much this year. So, um you know, another thing that, you know, I saw was seven penalties, um, you know, and two turnovers, an interception, mm-hmm. and a fumble, a couple sacks. You know, all these things, this is a, a solid recipe on how to lose the game. And, um, you know, unfortunately, our hot hand, which was, has been Mike White, got injured pretty early in the game. like uh, He had some sort of nerve contusion that affected his hand and his forearm. He was having trouble gripping the ball. Clearly wasn't, wasn't able to come back. Who's to say, you know, if he stayed in the game, we would have been competitive. I kind of feel that the way that the defense had played, um, it wouldn't have helped much. Um, You know, and to add to that, we had some serious injuries happen um, in that game. Uh, We lost a couple players uh, that we won't be seeing Mm -hmm. for the rest of the season. So the hits keep coming for the Jets here. You know, this is a tough game. This is the way that it goes. Can't make excuses, but this is the reality of the situation here. Um, jets are struggling to stay healthy they're struggling to execute the game plan um, and then you know you 've got a lot of inexperienced players trying to learn on the fly so um little grim for the jets uh and and who knows as we get closer to Sunday how things are going to pan out here um, just want to take one more look at my notes here to just see if there's anything else that I had missed um yeah I think that you know we covered pretty much all of it you know in a 45 to 30 um box score maybe it doesn't look as bad as the numbers show but like you said you let up 500 yards of offense you know they were getting steamrolled in in certain series and it just didn't look like the same team that we saw from the week prior and uh you know hopefully this is you know just keep having these rude awakenings so you know Bills just lost a a really, really bad game this past weekend. Who knows if they're going to be coming with a little bit more steam into this weekend, but you know, they've got back-to-back road games. Um, They weren't playing very well last week. So who knows if that's going to carry over and the Jets get a little bit lucky this week. I doubt it, um, to be honest with you, because I think Buffalo's a really, really solid team and, and their loss to Jacksonville definitely doesn't represent them. But, uh, Yeah, the Jets need to get some sort of luck here as far as getting healthy, um, which will lead us into, you know, our injury news and transaction segment. Um, For those of you who are not aware, the Jets recently just tweeted that Tyler Croft is going on the IR. Um, I don't see any specifics if that's going to be long-term or short-term, but we just lost our number one tight end. Um, from the game, we lost Marcus May with a torn Achilles. That's probably the biggest hit. Um, on a positive note, it does look like, from according to Robert Fowler's uh, press conference, that all four quarterbacks might have a chance um, to practice. Uh, that includes Zach Wilson, Mike White, and Joe Flacco. Uh, so who in the heck knows what's going to happen and who's going to get the start. Uh, but the Jets went from not having a lot of quarterbacks to having, you know, quite a few. So um, the hits keep on coming, and uh, I know that... Who was uh, somebody else that I had heard that was going to be coming back? Oh, or actually, um, you had mentioned Denzel Mims. We might as well plug that now. Uh, looks like Denzel yep. Mims is uh, in the COVID protocol. Um man, oh, man, this has been just kind of a rough start to the career for this young man last year, being injured for half the year, uh, and then this year getting buried and then finally getting an opportunity. As you said, he didn't seize the opportunity that he's had, and now he ends up getting COVID. Uh, but I do believe since he is vaccinated, if he's able to show uh, two negative tests within you know, 48 hours prior to the game, he might be activated, so uh we'll we'll have to see later on this week if if some news uh comes out with uh, dental Mims in in a positive manner but right now uh i guess the jets are anticipating not having him for sunday uh corey davis might return um i did hear that so you yep. know, that's a good thing um we lose we lose one wide receiver we gain another one so i guess that balances itself out i um, didn't hear any news on george uh Fav- um, that's something that you know intrigues me because Chumadoga had to play for him. Jets are down to their third-string left tackle. Uh, just not a good situation. But hopefully George can can come back. Um, that would be a big boost for their them offensively. Um, anybody else um, off the top of your head that uh, I missed here with the injuries? Uh, Bill? No, not that not that I can think of. I think you pretty much caught them all. Right. And they did make one transaction. They signed a safety today. I don't anticipate um, anything to come from an an Elijah Riley, uh, maybe just some depth at this point. But, yeah, let's take a minute um, and let's talk about this safety situation here. Um, As if it wasn't, you know, a problem already, having Marcus May be hurt earlier in the year and, and going to the second and third and fourth string guys, um, now he's gone for the season. Um, Ashton Davis is around. Um, you had mentioned, I think, uh, Neisman. I don't know if Adrian Colbert's still still hanging around. Um, but who do you think the, the the duo is going to be for our, you know, free and strong safeties moving forward, Dylan?
0: I think for the immediate, it's going to have to be Ashton Davis and uh, Sherrod Neisman. I think you'll probably see a little bit of Jared Wilson mixed in as the backup. I know they kind of rotated him and Niesman when Marcus May was hurt before. So we'll kind of see a bit of a, a mixed bag and a rotation. They signed Elijah Riley. He's only played six games in his whole career in the two years he's been in the league. So I don't anticipate him being anything more than perhaps special teams help so that they can use a guy like Gerard Wilson, on the defensive side for snaps instead of having to use him for special teams. So it's going to be a collective effort and it's going to have to be, you know, everybody's best foot forward because what we've seen from the safeties, not named Marcus May this season, hasn't been entirely uh, enthusiastic. So it's going to be tough for the whole secondary this week in general just due to the way the Colts play football. But, yeah, the safeties are definitely going to be stretched. So, Neesman, hopefully
1: he'll be the, the fill-in for, for Marcus. Yeah, I'm curious, too, because I know that there's a rookie out there, Hamza nasr Dean that, that has played safety at Florida State. And I'm wondering if mm-hmm. he's going to continue to have his special teams role, because I did see that he was activated recently. Um, or is he – you know, could he possibly – uh, you know, be moved over and, and have to become one of the depth guys at at, at strong safety. Um not sure how, how that would pan out. He does have experience playing that position. Not sure how he fits into Sala's scheme, but um if you need a body there there is someone there that, that, that might be able to come in and help. But yeah, the uh secondary um looking a little thin and uh so is the tight end position. Um, you know, clearly somebody has to step up the position moving forward um, and, you know, keep the defense honest because that's the last line of defense. But uh, I want to talk about um, two things um, with this defense right now, Dylan. Um, number one, uh, I'm going to ask, you know, if you want me to go first, that's fine. Um, but a question popped in my mind about, Who's doing what we expected? Who is underperforming at this point in time? Um, Why don't we start with the underperforming? Which guy do you feel on this defense is not living up to his standards? Ooh, it's a
0: really tough one because um, we've seen kind of inconsistent performances from just about every single person on the defense. And mm-hmm. and while I think Quinton Williams has had a few spark games where he's had those you know, big sack games, he had the multi-sack game a few weeks back, I, I'm honestly going to mm-hmm. have to say for right now it's going to be Quentin Williams – Actually, no, I take that back. I'm looking at these stats. These are just terrible. Nathan Shepard is probably the one that's underperforming. Mm. I I was about to say and I think he's close to that category just due to how much potential he has. You know, he has four and a half sacks, so I can't really get on him for that. But, yeah, Mm. Nathan Shepard's probably got to be the guy. He's got 197 snaps over the entire season. They've kind of been dwindling. He had 37 against Tennessee. And then it was 20, 31, and then 16 and 17 the last two weeks. So he's kind of seen a significant decrease in snap percentage, but he still has done nothing to fill up his stat sheet. His last tackle came against New England, and that was just a solo tackle. He has five tackles on the year, three quarterback hits. You don't really see him impressing too much in the run game. So I'm going to say, while he's still a backup, Nathan Shepard is definitely the one underperforming on the defense? What, what do you think?
1: Yeah, for me, uh, i am going to say and uh, Williams. Uh, I think he's been a little inconsistent. Oh, wow. He had uh, a two-sack game, which is almost 50% of uh, his sacks for the season. Just came out of one game out of the nine mm-hmm. that they played, or cause he did have the bye week, so I guess that would be eight that they played. Um, but, you know, He's gotten 50% of his sacks out of one game. You know, this is a guy that was supposed to set the tone on defense, you know, every play, whether it comes to putting pressure on the quarterback in passing situations or helping this team stop the run. um, I think that right now he can be playing a little bit better. Um, The guy that I think that is kind of pleasantly surprised me would be Brandon Eccles, the uh, sixth-round rookie, uh, coming in and starting. You know, we were not anticipating Bless Austin to be let go and Eccles won the job or, you know, he received the job and, and he's held it and he's hold, he's held on to it since then. And um, you don't hear his name being called Austin, which is a good thing because, A, he's not being penalized and, and we're not seeing the back of his jersey letting up big plays. So uh, those are just, you know, two players that I thought that maybe we should uh, shine the light on. Uh, and I think that the reason why you know, it may be alarming to some people saying Quentin Williams here is just that the, the draft type that came to with this player, um, right. everything that we were told, you know, maybe it wasn't fair that, you know, he was, com- um his comparison uh, when he was coming through the draft process was Aaron Donald. And I, I think that that is unfair to put a D lineman in that, in that category with an Aaron Donald mm-hmm. because there's not many of him in the league. And, you know, Quinn did make a good point when he was asked about that, saying, you know, you're talking about a guy that, you know, is probably about 50 to 60 pounds lighter than me. You know, I'm a much bigger dude, and he's a much lighter guy. And though we are both in defensive linemen, you know, we're asked to do some different things. And he answered it quite well, but the draft capital that we put into him and and what we've been anticipating, um, I do feel that he should be a guy that should be flirting with, you know, double-digit sacks. He still has time to do that. Um, And if he does, then, you know, obviously he will be living up to um, my expectations and and maybe the fans' expectations. But I think at the moment seeing him disappear for a game or two here really, really hurts um, this defense. And and now that, you know, some of the bigger names and the more important guys, you know, foundation pieces of this defense are starting to uh, dwindle here, um, guys like him need to step up and – you know, I'm very happy with John Franklin Myers. I think he's been doing quite well. Uh, but now what it's really going to come down to is players like Sheldon Rankins, John Franklin Myers, and Quinton Williams stepping up and trying to elevate this defense right up front because that's where it all starts. So hopefully we can start seeing some, some better play um, from the front unit defensively. And, um, you know, while we're doing that, um, you know, you want to take a moment and, and maybe just talk about a couple of players on offense that has surprised us and, and maybe some that are um, one player that, that has disappointed us from this team. Um, I'll go first. Um, I want to say that I was really expecting a lot more from a Cole in this offense, mm-hmm. um, seeing yep. everything that he was doing in training camp. Cause I was there, you know, a few times every week, and every day this guy was making plays, and it just really seems, you know, as the beat guys were putting together the depth chart, um, it was clear that Keelan Cole was going to be the number three, number four option on this team. And um, to see that, you know, he's kind of had some some plays here or there, um, but nothing too, truly consistent. So is he being scripted? You know, is he being – um, put in and trying to is Lafleur trying to implement him to make him more of a playmaker? Not too sure. Um, I can tell you that I did see. Um, I think it was Jeff Smith get some opportunities last week.
0: I don't mm-hmm. know. I think
1: I'm I'm ready to move on from from the Smith camp here. Um, you know these guys have hung around right. the, the team a couple of years and yeah, they're fast and you know that's what they bring. They bring speed, but. I don't know if we're utilizing that speed um, in the manner that we talk about. And I don't see those guys making the plays that are making difference in games. And I just kind of feel like, can Denzel Mims not run that route? Can Keelan Cole not run that route? You know, these are the guys that we were anticipating to make big plays this year. And we're really not seeing much from them. So, a little disappointed um, coming from – you know, that the wide receiver aspect, um, that maybe Keelan Cole is not being utilized properly, that could be the factor. Um, but someone that has pleasantly surprised me, um, and just you know, over the last couple of weeks, I would say is uh, Ty Johnson, um, back to back weeks with scores, seems to be doing a little bit more in the receiving department. You know, Michael Carter clearly is one of the future running backs of this team. Um, not sure how long uh, Ty Johnson is going to be with us, but. Currently, I am pleasantly surprised with his play. And, um, you know, I think in the first half of the season, there was a lot of room to be desired with him. Now I'm beginning to see a little bit more light and um, some more promise coming out of Ty Johnson. Um, Throwing the ball to your court now, Dylan, um, who who has um, impressed you and and who has uh, not looked so great in your eyes offensively? Yeah, so
0: it's funny that you said Ty Johnson as the impressive because up until the last few weeks I'd have to say he's probably been the least impressive offensive player to me you mentioned he just finally started getting going in the past game he's got 176 receiving yards out of his uh, 227 for the year so you like to see the big chunk of that coming as of late but before that I mean I feel like every week it was a disappearing act and in terms of rushing production I mean just some of these games four for 15, three for 17, four for 12, five for six, that stuff's not going to get it done on the ground. And I understand Michael Carter has been, uh, you know, kind of breaking out lately, but to have that one, two punch, like we thought going into the year, I'm pretty sure all Mm -hmm. three of us at Jet Nation, you, me, and Glenn, we're all, you know, had high hopes for uh, Ty Johnson. So for him to play 41% of the snaps, And just finally getting it going, it's kind of, you know, unfortunate, but we're glad to see it's not production in the beginning and tailing off. So he's trending upward and still my Mm underperformer for the year. Mm -hmm. But then you flip around to his backfield mate and Michael Carter is my overperformer of the year. I wanted to put Elijah Moore there, but I'm going to temper my love for now because Michael Carter (laughs) has been doing some, some pretty uh, impressive things, both in the run and the pass game. It seems like, Every time he touches the ball, one person's due to slip off him. I don't know if they they wipe him down in baking grease or something, but he just can't be brought down by the first tackle or no matter what. He's averaging, you know, well over 10, 15 yards a catch. Looking at his stats here, he had one catch for 37 yards last week. But he's playing 52% of the snaps, and it seems like he should probably be playing more considering the lack of production Ty Johnson's giving you in the run game. So, Kind of an interesting one there. The, the two running backs are my choice, but I definitely think Michael Carter's on the uptick, but it's good to see both running backs hitting their stride at
1: the same time. And um, that was the one player that I think I missed in the injury update. Um, uh, Te- Tevin Coleman looks like he's trending in the mm, right direction, mm-hmm. and he's going to be practicing this week. He probably has a good plan, a good chance to um, suit up for Sunday. So that kind of intrigues me because will Tevin Coleman affect Ty Johnson's, you know, production that he's had over the last few weeks? We've known Coleman to be more of a scat back, a third down guy, the receiving Mm -hmm. back. Uh, We haven't really seen a lot of that, mainly because, number one, he hasn't been healthy, and number two, Michael Carter has been turning it on over the last month and looking very, very promising. So it'll be interesting to see if Tevin Coleman um, takes away some of those snaps and those opportunities from Ty Johnson, and and maybe Ty Johnson goes back into that, um, you know, does that disappearing act, as you said, and and his numbers take a hit. So uh, we'll have to, you know, see what kind of game plan, as far as the run game is concerned. is deployed this Sunday. I know the Bills have a really, really tough defense. So maybe they ride the hot hand in Carter. And, you know, we'll be we'll see, obviously, who LaFleur likes as the number two option. Uh, so, you know, we'll have to keep an eye on the running backs for Sunday. Um, we're going to get into um, the big topic of conversation now. This is the quarterback conversation. Uh, we're going to try to, uh, you know, handle this situation here the best that we can because at the end of the day um, – You know, our opinions have no weight into what's going to happen on Sunday, but there is a little bit of controversy that's building in New York and it's at the quarterback position. Surprise, surprise. Um, It wouldn't be a New York Jets season if there wasn't a little controversy at the quarterback position. So, Mm -hmm. As everyone here knows, um, Zach Wilson gets hurt. They trade for Joe Flacco. Mike White gets the job. Josh Johnson's Um, brought from the practice squad into the 53 roster. Um, Jets had very few options at quarterback as of Thursday night. And um, now it looks like we're going to have four options this week. So the two main guys that we should be talking about is Zach Wilson and Mike White. And this is going to be a tough one because if you're Joe Douglas or if you're Robert Sala, who do you go with at this point? Um, do you honor your draft pick and your, your future investment into Zach Wilson? And, and if he's healthy and, and gets cleared medically, do you throw him back out there against a tough, you know, um, interconference opponent like the Buffalo bills, or do you give him another week of rest? And if Mike white is healthy, do you deploy Mike white being that great in that Cincinnati game? He looked Okay. Um, you know, I think he was like seven for 11 with the touchdown before he got hurt and had to leave the game against the Colts. So do you ride the hot hand or do you go back to your future franchise quarterback in Zach Wilson? Uh, I'll just say this right now and then I'm going to throw it your way. If Zach Wilson is still dealing with some, you know, minor soreness or um, he's a little stiff or whatever's going on with that knee, I absolutely do not want to play him less than 100%. Um, Mike White has shown that he's capable of going out there and and moving the sticks on offense. And if he's healthy, I think Mike White should get the nod predicated that Zach Wilson is not at 100% health. Uh, what's, what's your take on that, No, uh, Dylan?
0: Yeah, I have to <clears throat> pretty much align with that thought process there. We'll know a little bit more tomorrow, uh, Wednesday morning, when Rob Sala speaks to the media as far as the health of both of them. I think uh, right now it seems like Mike White is closer to being 100% than Zach Wilson is. Remember, the PCL is supposed to be a two- to four-week injury, so entering week three of this injury, just to have him back on the practice field I think would be you know on schedule or ahead of schedule. So I don't want to uh, assume any percentage as far as a number of his health, but – if Zach Wilson is not 100%, and I mean even 90% healthy and 10% not ready to go, I think this has to be a Mike White or Josh Johnson game. Obviously, Mike White might not be 100%, but I'm pretty sure he will be 100% for the game, in which case, I think you just have to start Mike White. Uh, he's definitely earned it. Rob Stoll said it himself. He's done nothing but come in and take advantage of his opportunities. Um, this is Obviously, he wasn't the head coach in San Francisco, but this is something we've seen the 49ers do before where Jimmy Garoppolo would get hurt and C.J. Beathard or Nick Mullins would come in and have their flashes of times where they look like they can compete in the NFL and have a starting job. And, you know, eventually they might regress back to the mean. But I think Mike White is in that phase where he's trending up, and right now he's kind of untouchable. He was 7 for 11 with the touchdown on Thursday night. I think if we got to see the full Mike White game, it may, may not have mirrored the Cincinnati game exactly with 400 yards, but we ended up with 413 passing yards as a unit. So there's a good chance he could have exploded again and had another great game. So, yeah, I think he's absolutely earned it. Like we said last week, if he didn't completely have a meltdown game and throw four picks and fail to complete a you know simple pass, then maybe Zach Wilson coming in at not 100% could be an option but at this point don't risk the rookie it's not worth even setting him back one or two more games because then you get into the whole jostling of okay now he's 50 percent healthy for the next three games what are we going to do and now you're just you're you're messing with his development and the offensive development as well because they need to gel with a specific guy and get into a groove and right now mike white has that groove so yeah mike white is the the answer for me unless Zach Wilson is 100% healthy.
1: Yeah. Um, And I think that everything that you said is fair, and and I think what Robert Salah said is also fair due to the fact that um, he's, he's playing pretty darn well. You know, he's only had, I don't know, a handful of quarters, one full game and a couple quarters in the Patriot game, one quarter in the Colt game. But you look at the numbers, you know, his completion percentage is higher. His QB rating is better. Um, you know, he he has thrown a few. Um, he's got four total. But, uh, you know, these were situations to where he's, he's just trying to come from behind in that Patriot game and, you know, trying to make plays. And um, he was really, really, you know, electric in that uh, Cincinnati game. And uh, he's only got about, you know, 400 yards less. Um, total yards thrown than Zach Wilson in, in a few games compared to Zach having a majority of the snaps this season. So clearly, you know, looking at the offense and, and how they've accrued over 30 points in back-to-back weeks, um, this leads me to my next question here. Why is it that Mike White and Josh Johnson has looked more effective in this offense and just these last few games than Zach Wilson, you know, over the first half of the season, um, What do you think it could possibly be, Dylan?
0: I think that's a a multiple part answer. I think a lot of it has to do with Zach Wilson himself and his rookie tendencies to always want to play hero ball in a sense and take that 30, you know, 20 plus yard completion downfield instead of the easy five to seven yard completion right in front of his face. And I think, Over time, watching Mike White and Josh Johnson now running the offense and effectively hitting the checkdowns, he'll be able to do that more and more moving forward. So I think that's always one of the options. The second uh, option is also Mike LaFleur going up into the booth and getting that overview of the the offense. And he can really focus on calling a play, getting the next play in, and having you know a step-by-step plan going into the game instead of, I'm not saying that this is exactly what was happening, but it seemed as though he was potentially being taken. His time was too much with Zach Wilson on the sidelines and not necessarily talking with the whole offense or putting together a drive or however it broke down. He was just getting pulled in too many directions. So now he's able to sit up there, get a good view of the, of the offense and how everything's playing out. So really you can't say necessarily it's, it's pinpoint this or that, Obviously, Mike White and Josh Johnson are coming in and just taking advantage and and getting the checkdowns and taking the big plays when they're when they're given to them. But at the same time, it's not always a sustainable method. Obviously, you want to see Zach Wilson come in, be the future of this offense, be the second overall pick we drafted him to be. So. Let's hope that once Zach Wilson is healthy, all these things, Mike being in the booth and having John Beck on the sidelines can create a better atmosphere for the offense to pick up where it left off. And, you know, the torch can officially be passed to Zach Wilson to take the reins of this offense and and go at it because this offensive explosion we've seen the last two weeks is just unprecedented, you know, 32 points per game, 412 pass yards per game, 92.5 92.5 rush yards per game, 31 first downs. You know, you said it earlier, back-to-back 30-point uh, games, which is the first time that's happened since 2019 against the Giants, wow. Raiders, and Washington. And we didn't score 30 points that one single time in 2020. So all the comparisons, you know, that this is a Gase, you know, the same as a Gase team can uh take a hike with those takes because 30 points mm. in 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 2020, it was uh, out of the realm of possibility. So, you know, it's a lot of things that go into the offense. You can't pinpoint it on one thing. If Zach Wilson comes back and looks bad, then you know, hey, this was the problem of the offense. But too many things have changed since he's been out to necessarily say, you know, Zach Wilson
1: is the main problem. I definitely agree. And you know, just like you had said, I I, I definitely feel that the decision making that that Mike White and Josh Johnson have done um, that's different from Wilson is they they take what the defense gives them, and you know they're hitting their checkdowns, they're they're going through their progressions, and they're making they're completing plays, and even though. Um, you know, they they might want to go try deep, and they might want to try that second or third option that's going to, you know, be the big play. Um, You know, I think playing hero ball is a good way of putting it, and I think that's something that um, Sam Darnold, uh, which hurt him as well, is not running the offense in a fluid manner, always constantly trying to air it out or scramble and and, and then do improvisation rather than trying to run the offense and run the scheme uh, through the coordinator's eyes. So, you know, if Zach has been a student of the game and he's studying film and we've heard that he's a film junkie, uh, perhaps, you know, he'll see how effective his, um, his teammates have been by finding, you know, the running back coming out the flat getting the ball to your tight end, finding your slot receivers, and and making those easier throws, you know, here and there. Build your, you know, rapport with your your guys. Build a little Mm -hmm. bit of confidence by executing a couple simple throws. And when the defense um, tries to play tight and play up toward, you know, the line of scrimmage to take away some of the short and intermediate stuff, then you go for the jugular and you try to push the ball down the field to keep them honest. Um, So, you know, it's like a chess match. You know, you don't want to just go right out and and use or try to be too aggressive early on because it might hurt you. Um, And then, you know, you might end up losing um, more than Mm -hmm. gaining. So, you know, you have to be a little bit of, um, I know it always seems to be bad, like a game manager. People seem to think that that's a negative thing, you know, with the quarterback. There's nothing wrong with managing the game, you know, and like I said, getting your completions, moving the sticks, um, you know, playing for field position. Um, even if you're backed into your corner, you get yourself into a spot where you, you can punt and put the team back into their end zone um, just so that if your defense happens to play well, you get the ball back around midfield. So, you mm-hmm. know, chestnut checkers. Um, and, and you know, I think that that's one of the, the key factors here is that the ball has been spread around quite well. Um, the running backs have been incorporated much more in the passing game over the last couple of weeks. So hopefully, you know, when Zach Wilson is ready, and it could possibly be this Sunday, hopefully we still see those same things occur where, you know, Ty Johnson and Carter and, and Coleman are getting those passes and um, and getting to, um, you know, all those checkdowns and things like that. and And even if you, you know, you don't get the first down, that's quite all right as long as you continue to incorporate more of your teammates and build, build that momentum. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that will be beneficial for him moving forward. Um, You, you, uh, you mentioned Sam Darnold in that little bit
0: there. Yeah. And uh, uh, right across my Twitter, right -hmm. across my Twitter timeline, as you were explaining that Ian Rappaport, Says after two days of testing, exams revealed that Panthers quarterback Sam Darnold has a fractured scapula. The right shoulder injury huh. will likely lead him to miss several weeks. So, although not directly Jets-related, it's directly Jets-related in the fact that we own their second-round pick, and having P.J. Walker at quarterback for the Carolina Panthers is a good thing for the Jets moving forward in terms of draft positions.
1: Wow. 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 Um, good little nugget right there, Dylan. Um, it is kind of an odd scenario to where we need them to be bad to better our situation. Uh, don't like to root for injuries. Hopefully Sam can come through that. Um, right. Yep. Man. Oh man. No, Nobody's had it worse than probably that guy over the last couple of years. And um, hopefully things trend in the right direction when he comes back. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that that that's, that's a crazy one right there. And we know it best, you know, um, dealing with injuries left and right, all different positions. Um, It's interesting how, you know, and and this is kind of the luck of of just the Jets in general. You know, you trade Chris Herndon, then you trade Daniel Brown, and, um, you know, Wesco's been buried into the system, and now Griffin gets a little bit more, and now Croft goes on the IR. So now it looks like we're stuck with uh, possible Griffin – Wesco and maybe Kenyaboa. um, you know, we talk about him quite often on this show. Maybe we start to see some action out of him, um, you know, as the next man steps up. Um, and then, you know, clearly we already talked about the safeties and things like that. You know, somebody has to emerge from that position. Um, and, you know, that's just the way that this, this game goes, unfortunately, you know, like like we said when we were talking about this roster in the offseason, you know what we're talking about now is clearly not going to be what we see week one. And we're at the midweek point of the season now, and uh, this roster has changed dramatically. Um, but hopefully, mm-hmm. you know things start to trend in the right direction, and we start getting some of these guys. You know we're expecting uh, a return from Beckton after um, Thanksgiving you know, hopefully George Fant is not too far away and, and he can come back this weekend. Otherwise, we'll be going with Trumo Odo again at, at left tackle. We've got Corey Davis coming back. Nims is injured right now. Um, and, you know, we've already talked about the tight end position. So a lot, a lot needs to change in order for this team to, to get out of this, um, you know, this deep pit that they've fallen into. Um, let me see here. Um uh, Mike All right, so um, this was my last question on the uh, the quarterback controversy segment, and let me just take a look at the clock. We've got 12 minutes, so we've got plenty of time to still cover the Bills game. Um, so last question, can Mike LaFour be a successful with Wilson when he's ready to play, um, and does he need to adjust his play calling uh, for Zach Wilson?
0: Throwing, throwing it your way, yeah. Dylan. <clears throat> yeah, I think – he absolutely can be successful maybe take some of the parts of what he was doing before Zach Wilson's injury you know some of the things that he felt more comfortable with doing and then also mesh that with what we've seen Mike White and Josh Johnson's game plan look like over the last few weeks and that was a lot more passing on first down a lot more you know uh, wide receiver heavy uh, personnel usage I went back and looked so against Cincinnati, they ran 10 personnel, which is one running back and four wide receivers, 12 times is a season high for sure. They also only ran 20 plays out of 12, which is a slight downtick from what they've normally run. You know, they were up around 24 to 27 times a game and 12 personnel. So you like to see that trending in the right direction. I don't have the, the personnel usage against Indianapolis. But I assume that it's, you know, pretty pretty uh, close to what we saw against Cincinnati. More 11 and 10, less 12. Not, you know, 12's not completely going away. I think the 12 personnel of having one running back and two tight ends is still going to be the staple of this offense, regardless if it's working or not. So, yeah, Mike LeFleur, you know, can keep a, a similar game plan. Does it is it going to be the same thing we saw weeks one through five with Zach Wilson? No, absolutely not. And is it going to be what we saw against Cincinnati and Indianapolis? Probably not. But it should be leaning more towards what we've seen the last two to three weeks rather than the first five.
1: Absolutely agree. Um, and that's, you know, clearly what I'm, I'm hoping to see is that um, a little bit more of the scheme that we've seen recently um, spreading the ball around incorporating, you know, all of your options, you know, not just trying to force feed certain players the ball. Uh, I think that that will, you know, bode well for LaFleur and Wilson, you know, in the event that that happens on Sunday or when Wilson is healthy and ready to go. I do think that we should see more of what we've seen the last two weeks, which is a quicker pace offense, Um, you know, it's not like they're running on a two minute or four minute drill every series, but you do see that there's a little bit more of an, an uptick, um, with how the cadence is rolling. And, um, I think that's what you really need to do because if, if you're waiting until the last three seconds of the play clock to call, um, you know, to, to hike the ball, a, the defensive players can, can time their pass rush, which gives them an advantage, um, if you're taking your time with your personnel, then it gives the defensive coordinator to see who you're putting on and then make adjustments before the play goes off. Um, so a lot of those things that we've we seen the last week, I think they need to implement for Zach Wilson, which is try to speed up the process a little bit. Maybe that's not the best thing to do with a rookie quarterback who's still learning and inexperienced, but, uh, you know, Zach is, we've seen that he, from his BYU days, he does have a quick release and, and he does have that gunslinger mentality. So maybe if he thinks less and just tries to focus more on executing, you know, simpler plays and, and mm-hmm. doing them in a quicker manner, maybe he can develop, you know, a little bit faster. So absolutely agree there. Uh, looks like we're at the eight-minute mark. So we're going to have to quick fire here with our – uh preview for the Bills game. This is a home game. I will be in attendance for this game. Um, probably cool. make my rounds and, and visit some, some of my buddies and some tailgates. Um, I'll, I'll definitely be checking in with the jet nation crew um, to see what they got going on. Probably going to have to uh, see what's cooking on the grill um, and, mm-hmm. and uh, rub elbows with some of those guys. But uh Yeah, my thoughts on this game here, I I really feel like uh, the Bills chose a poor week um, to play bad. You know, they should have beat down Jacksonville last week and, you know, come in and stink against the Jets this week. The case, this could possibly have been the rude awakening that the Bills had, and now the Jets are going to be victim uh, this Sunday. completely possible. Or just maybe um, this is the downtrend in the season for the Bills. And we're catching them at the right time. And maybe the Jets get lucky again, like they did against Cincinnati. You know, they're going to need more luck than anything else to get through this game. I do not foresee them winning this game, but uh, crazier things have happened in this game and in the sports. So um, at the moment, I can't see them winning the game. What do you think, Dylan?
0: Yeah, I wrote down a couple of things. They are coming off that, disappointing loss to Jacksonville where they I think I believe the score is nine to six so you know not a lot of offensive production on either side which although it's a a good thing that the Buffalo offense is kind of hitting a a lull in the season these last few games they started slow against Miami and were 10 to 7 going into the fourth quarter I think it also goes to show that Jacksonville's you know pass heavy offense only scored uh, nine points and I believe all three were field goals, so they didn't allow a single touchdown. Uh, The Bills' defense has been stout all year. At one point, they were top three against the pass, against the rush, and in terms of scoring, I'm not sure if they still hold that mark, but I know they're still top ten in most categories defensively. So it's going to be one of those games where, like you said, Buffalo is coming off a loss, and they're going to be upset. So the Jets don't really get them at a time where it's advantageous for them. But Josh Allen coming off a game where zero pass touchdowns, that was the first time he did it since week eight of last year. So he's kind of been on a tear. I think you need to, again, limit him. Obviously zero passing touchdowns is pretty, pretty hard to do for an MVP candidate. So the Jets just have to limit him as much as possible, put pressure on him. Don't let him get out of the pocket and get those, you know, 12 to 17-yard runs where he just gashes your defense. And then offensively, whoever the quarterback is, you have to play smart. Uh, Like I said, their defense has been stout. They capitalize on turnovers. So the game plan should be control the time of possession. You don't necessarily have to run the ball on first down, keep passing the ball on first down, put the defense on on their heels, but at the same time maintain drives and make sure you can keep Josh Allen on the sidelines. It's great that it's a home game, so, you know, the crowd will be fired up for when Josh Allen is on the field. And I think the defense, in terms of just, like, coverage and scheme, they've got to get a little bit more exotic. They might have to send a few more blitzes since the D-line is struggling. I'm not quite sure if they'll use DBs or linebackers in that role to blitz. I know C.J. Mosley's not, you know, incredibly great as a pass rusher. And back to the safety discussion we had earlier, they're going to need to rely on the safeties and the corners because – Weeks one through eight, the Bills use 11 personnel 66% of the time and 10 personnel 12% of the time. So between those two packages of wide receiver heavy formations, that's 78%. So four out of every five plays, they're going to be stretching the the defense thin. You know, you're going to see a lot of uh, cornerbacks on the field. You could potentially see – excuse my dog. You could potentially see four cornerbacks at one time with Bryce Hall, Brandon Eccles, Michael Carter, and Javelin Gidry. they could use Carter or Gidry out on a Dawson Knox, you know, in a tight end matchup that they find favorable. Mm-hmm. I know Michael Carter didn't fare too well against Kyle Pitts. When the, the Bills offense is rolling and they have those three, four, five wide receiver looks, it's most likely you're going to want Carter and Gidry over a, a third safety or even a, a second linebacker. So, you know, you might see a lot of four down, maybe CJ Mosley and then six DBs what what they call the dime look. So it's potential, you know, <clears throat> the defense has its plan, not, you know, a good recipe for facing a high power offense coming off a bad game. If I had to put a prediction, I think it's going to be somewhat close until the end with the, the, the bills pulling away 34 to 23. I think Elijah Moore and Michael Carter both score a touchdown this time. So It'll be nice to see both the rookies get in the end zone. But, unfortunately, another Jets loss, but not one where we're walking away with our tails between our legs and we actually have some more positives, kind of like the Indianapolis game.
1: Yeah, um, I I think you really brought up a good point there. Um, You know, what I have here written on my notes, you know, obviously Stephon Diggs is the biggest threat um, as far as the wide receivers are concerned. So Hall and Nichols are really going to have their hands full. You can't forget about some of the other guys that they have out there, like Gabriel Davis, who's a big guy. You have uh, Cole Beasley, who's, you know, been around the league for a very, very long time. He can, you know, he'll probably be the biggest challenge for Michael Carter and, and Guidry. And then obviously Josh Allen, like you said, his ability to be a dual threat quarterback. He's got a very strong arm. Um, and then, you know, he will gas you with a run. So, you know, I have notes here is that you really want to contain and keep him inside the pocket. You know, this is going to be a game to where you're going to need more covered sacks than than actual, um, you know, pass rushing situations. Um, You want to keep him inside that pocket and limit his yards on the ground as much as possible. Um, Even though he is a very, very good quarterback from the pocket, I, I feel that, if you can collapse it and, and you know, force him to try to make mistakes, um, that's the best way to, to try to beat Josh Allen. Um, you know, as far as prediction that I could give here, uh, I could really just see this kind of getting out of hand and then the Jets trying to save grace near the end, very similar to the Colts game. Um, you know, I'm, I'm expecting like a 31-20 kind of game with the Buffalo Bills. You know, statistically, when you when you analyze both these teams, not looking too great. Bills are averaging thirty-two points a game. Jets are averaging sixteen. Bills have four hundred yards of total offense as average. We're near three hundred. Um, defensively, they're they're letting up about fifteen points a game. Jets are letting up about twenty-nine points a game. Turnovers completely lopsided. The Bills have five turnovers this year. The Jets have fifteen. The only category that the Bills think at compared to us, is they have 49 penalties compared to our 48, but we're still not much better than them in that aspect as well. Um, So just from statistically looking at all of these things here, um, it's obvious, you know, by record um, and the rankings here, Buffalo Bills are a much better team. Um, They're definitely going to be the favorite. Um, But, you know, this is a home game for us. Who knows if, you know, the, the crowd can, can help the Jets get some some energy. It's going to be a pretty decent day. We've had some cold weather up in here, but it's a little bit of a warmer week. We were down into the 20s and 30s last week. Still that way in the morning, but today it was almost up to 70, and this weekend is going to be around 50 degrees. So that's good football weather for me. Um, not many people, Absolutely. you know, may, may think about that. But, you know, when you're still talking about the fall and, and football kind of weather, it's supposed to be sunny. 50 degrees. Hopefully the tailgate's really good and fun because that'll probably be the highlight of the day. Um, and who knows? Maybe it'll, you know, it'll be spooky like uh, Halloween and, and the Jets will surprise us. You know, that's what I'm kind of hoping for. I can't foresee it, um, but yeah, you know, I anticipate um, the Jets struggling a little bit here. Obviously, if Zach Wilson gets deployed, you know, will he be rusty? Will will have just been time well spent where, you know, he's been able to study and learn and, you know, rehab to get his knee back in order. A lot, a lot of questions, maybe more questions than answers at this point. Uh, but, you know, it's Tuesday. We've got about another three or four days before we're going to, you know, you know, maybe tomorrow, like you said, um, there, there there's an opportunity that we get some news tomorrow. My guess is that, the Jets are probably going to wait as long as possible to, de- yep. to deploy who's going to be the starter just to gain, you know, air quoting some competitive advantage against them. Um, I don't think the Jets, uh, the Bills are overly concerned with whomever we deploy, but uh, you know, I'm sure the Jets are probably going to be tight lipped up until that point. Um, but yeah, Dylan, wow. That, uh, that hour sure did go by fast.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but uh it's Anything been, else that uh, comes to your head that maybe we didn't get to cover here? I'm trying to look through my notes.
0: Um, no, I think, I think we touched all, all the
1: bases. Just
0: yeah. hopefully the uh, the Jets, who have been performing well at home, continue to be good at home. We're two and one on the year, and I think a lot of that has to do with the the crowd in the stands. They really get the defense going, so I feel like more plays have been made at at home than on the road. And I think a lot of that has to do with the crowd. So hopefully you have a great time and you're cheering loud and who knows, maybe we'll surprise each other and, you know, they'll come
1: away with a nice little win there. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, you know, over under on me, losing my voice Um, probably take the over on that one would be my guess, (laughs) Uh, but uh, gone by half, you know, yeah, man. Uh, sometimes you know you get caught in the element out there, and um, you know the voice is usually the first thing to go. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking just to have fun. Have, I'm gonna be happy to be there um, in mm-hmm. that life with with my buddies and friends. Gonna, like I said, I'll make my rounds. Um, you know, and anybody that's gonna be at the game, um, you know, at NY Jets 24, send me a tweet. Let me know where you're at. If I can make it, I'll I'll stop by your tailgate. Um, you know, maybe crack some, some bad jokes. Who knows?
0: But um,
1: yeah, I think this is uh this is going to wrap us up for, for this show for the week, Dylan. Again, this was awesome. a, a lot of fun. And you know what? Um, one day we're going to be, you know, we're going to be talking on this show about a lot more Jets wins. I, I just have that feeling. We cannot continue to keep talking about losses here. Something has I to change. Um, yep. Maybe not today, but you know, we're hopeful for the future as per usual. But uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's sign off right here. Everybody. Thank you for tuning in. If you uh, don't know, please go to JetNation.com. sign them to our forums. We've got some great things going on on YouTube um, with our buddy Greenbean and Glenn Norton is also putting out some content, doing some post game reactions, things like that. So go to YouTube, check out JetNation.com, download the app, get involved in the forums. That's where all the talk is at. And um, yeah, uh, Everybody, just thanks again. Um, And uh, hopefully when we talk next week, we're talking about a Jets victory. Um, Fingers crossed over here. And uh, here we go. So, everybody, as per usual, enjoy your week. Pray for the Jets. Pray that they get healthy. And uh, I'll just hope we can squeeze one out. Everybody take care and have a great night.
0: Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at nyjetslife Life24. Until next time,
1: go Jets.